In this week's episode, we zoom all the way out on some sales metrics, discussing why they're important, how they're all connected at all levels of the organization, and we'll offer a perspective on why you should embrace them. We also tell a story of how a previous manager of mine got me to buy into my own metrics, ultimately leading me to be successful. Upfront disclaimer, this does get into the weeds a little bit, but if you stick with it, it'll be worth it. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the USP, the Unnamed Sales Podcast. And the moral of this show is we're not trying to sell you anything. That's our USP. So I'm Felix McCabe. I'm in revenue enablement. I'm Luke. I'm uh, SDR in training. How are you keeping? We're back. Episode we're back. six. Yeah. What's going on this week, Luke? Um, Been up and down. Uh, I've had to work from home this week because um i wasn't feeling the best since last thursday uh and i hate working from home like i was chatting to some i was chatting my dentist yesterday and he was like like do you, do you just absolutely like some people do like it and there's benefits and pros and cons i was like no nah, nah, I, I, I just hate it like i just hate being at home i hate not being in the office chatting to people i hate not having daylight so that's like really kind of i've suffered a little bit from that um so that. <laughs> Sorry for offloading on you, but like that's what's been going on this week. Like yeah, that's kind of come to the fore and been like the top of everything I've been doing. It's like, oh, waking up in the morning, I'm stuck at home, not feeling great. So like a bit more tired in the morning, sleeping a little bit later. So everything's been a little bit off kilter. Um, and for that reason, what's not gone well is I like haven't booked a demo this week, like zero demos, right. which is crazy last week of the month. What has gone well is because of the work I did before. Now, I've already had, like, I think I only had, like, 12 working days this month, and then I had a, week, a day off last Friday because it wasn't well, so that's 11 working days. And I still, today's Friday afternoon, and I'm, like, one away from my quota. So, like, I, I still, right. what did go well is I've done a hell of a lot of work in the lead-up to this when I have been operating at 100%, and I have been, like, putting in that extra bit of work. I was oh, chatting yes. to... Yeah, I shot him a yesterday and uh, a kind of back and forth of a messenger. I was like, do you know when people say um, failure, is, failure is not an option or failure is un, uh, unacceptable or fit, whatever? I completely <laughs> disagree with that. I, I think failure is definitely an option if it's not pre-planned. So if you fail on something, say I like dropped by one this month, like the last time I didn't hit my quarter was April. Um, now it's July and I've been there for like eight months and this is only by one. I can make up for that. No problem. But it's just put so much fire in my belly for next week, for over the weekend, for next month, for like, it's given me a good, do you ever watch a team that's like winning every single game and then they get that one defeat and they end up winning the league, the cup and the, and the oh, championship. Yeah. The, like the that's backlash. what I feel like now. Yeah. I just, I, I'm having a backlash and there's a lot of things in, a lot of clarity in my head and what I need to do. So yeah, I know that's a bit of a long one, but that's what's gone well. What hasn't gone well, hasn't gone well. I've not booked one demo. What has gone well is I've done a lot of work in the background. I've spoken to a lot of prospects. I've like refreshed what I'm doing. 
um, and I have a lot of clarity going forward and what needs to be done to overachieve. So if I have a month like this, I actually make sure I'm hitting them quotas. Yeah, I mean, it's it's mad. It's crazy how much our environment has an effect on our performance. Because like I, I'm the same in some ways in that, I, like I'm looking, I have this space, this office that I'm in now in my house. But if it's messy, I can't concentrate. I need a neat working environment. You know, I need a Marie Kondo to come in and just clean the place down <laughs> to be able to concentrate and work yeah. in this space. Even something as stupid as having something old scribbled on the whiteboard disrupts my thinking. So I have to make sure that's clean so I can then work in that environment. But it's it's mad because some of those things you've said, you're, you're, in, you're in your house there now. You're not getting out in the sunlight. You're not talking with colleagues. Kind of those natural breaks you'd have to kind of break up the the day because sales is hard and if you're just Mm -hmm. there saying right i've got to hit x amount of calls or y amount of demos today and you're just trying to get yourself up for it every single time that's hard you know trying to hit those metrics is quite hard when you don't have those natural breaks that just spontaneously occur in the office environment yeah, I was chatting to Laura about it. Um, Laura's my girlfriend, by the way, not uh, <laughs> not not a colleague. But I was chatting to her about it. I was like, "Well, see if you're at home." I, I end up working harder at home because I like have no one around me to chit chat with. But in the moments when things aren't going well, like I can't shout over to a colleague and say, "Oh shit, this morning's just not going well for me. Everything's falling apart." And like, oh. Same here. It's the end of July. Things are a little bit slower. This is what I've been doing. This is where I've got a little bit of success. Maybe there's a couple of AEs in there. Maybe there's an SE. Maybe somebody overhears a call. Maybe go downstairs and talk to somebody on on the reception that doesn't work for the company. And all of that stuff, I miss massively whenever I'm at home. Like just that community of, yeah, I'm I'm maybe not doing well Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm not feeling 100%, but people will be like, yeah, it's all right. It's We're doing the same thing. We're all struggling a little bit here. And I think by the end of the day, everyone at my level or everyone in my kind of vertical, I've like done the best over the month, but because I'm sitting at home by myself, yesterday I have a feel of like angst and gut feeling and gut wrenching of just absolute abject failure. (laughs) Like no joke, failure. And I was like, I've just failed. And I had the thought during the week of what am I doing? Like we're we're, we're creating a podcast on SDR and how to... get that passed through to AE and getting your opinions, my opinions. I honestly thought during the week, do, like, am I in the right job? Am I even doing the right job? What am oh I doing goodness. here? And do you know all the posts that people put on LinkedIn and they're like, I had the moment of like thinking I'm going to quit and like, bada, bada, bada. You always think that they're like a bit silly or silly. Po- That's, my mind went straight to them. I was like, SVP of sales development, maybe a director of sales, maybe an enterprise AE rep, like all these people I follow on LinkedIn, they constantly post, I had this moment. I wasn't. I was struggling in, at an individual week when I was an SDR, and I honestly thought, like, the world is cruising around me. Why am I doing this job? I have no clarity and no fork. And I honestly had that thought. I wasn't feeling well, to be fair, and I wasn't performing. And I was at home, <laughs> and I was alone with my thoughts. But then things help. Um, Existential so, yeah. crisis. My goodness. Mental. Yeah. So anyway, but, but that, let's but move that's, on. That, that starts <laughs> that circle of debt, doesn't it? Where like, <sighs> just keep oh, going dude. deeper and deeper. But um, you've obviously, you're in good spirits now. We've had a quick chat before we went, uh, yeah. hit the record button. 
you you kind of headset for next week. How did you how did you pull yourself out of that? Do you like the way that I don't like offload any of this on you until we're recording? <laughs> I, I know, yeah. <laughs> so I, don't know know is, I don't know this is coming. <laughs> like, Trying wow. to work. going on an RV trip before this. Um, I have a plan for next week. I have like I could have I've no demos booked, obviously, but I have some demos booked from prior weeks. I have like reopened previously cancelled opportunities so i booked some meetings i just haven't got any net new um i've got four or five discovery calls scheduled for myself um i've been kind of going over i know i mentioned before i'm like going through my gold certification so in the evening times i've been starting to get into the platform starting to come up with my script for the opening of a demo um so then i'm like working in conjunction with that the opening of my calls making sure that they're nice and clean and crisp a lot more people have been engaging me with me this week i've been I've, I've been trying to do something which is um, I'm a sucker for trying to take down a lot of notes when I'm on the phone to somebody to make sure I'm not missing anything. And my calls are recorded, so I can just listen back. Um, so I've been trying now to just, because I'm at home, I'm like sitting back, leaning back in a chair. Sometimes I even put my foot, foot on the table and just ha- like putting into practice the things that I t- tell people to do and just having that conversation with somebody up until when the details get at a crux or up until when there is a point of like higher value information it's open and having a nice back and forth conversation and being 100 engaged in that conversation and from that i have set myself up nicely for next week um with my own i run my own disco calls and having some of them and a lot of future opportunities coming from that but um yeah so moments of hardship have always provided me with moments of performance immediately after it's that if I, obviously no one can see me but it's that like line of improvement and then a slow small dip and then improvement and then a small dip and then improvement and a small dip and if you have that as a line across a chart um eventually if you look at the start to the finish you've like improved astronomically oh, but yeah. in the dip you've got to remember that you've just improved a massive amount until this point but you're climbing a mountain right you're climbing a peak uh, in knowledge and the thing is like, i mean i don't know if you've ever climbed karen tool here in ireland it's the tallest peak here in the south um but like you're getting you're climbing up there and you're up so high and then it goes flat for a while or it's actually going down a bit you're like but the mountain's up there like and you're going back Uh, a little bit to go forward and go up higher again it is very much like that There's, there's no one very linear level road or path up the mountain it's up to go down and up to go down um and the performance is like that and, and learning is like that right because you'll reach these points where you're tested you know it's the hero's journey as they say in storytelling you know the moments of testing and you'll then in those moments realize i don't remember everything or i don't know this as well as i should and it's true that like you said failure failure is not fatal it's true that failure that you actually learn and you go on again right um yeah or it's just remembering sometimes. Back. Sometimes when I think I don't know anything and uh, AE or manager or whatever, they're like, you don't have to know everything as an SDR. Your job is to be able to ask correct questions. Like you should you should be always, what do you always say? Always be finding. Um, like as long as I'm talking to uh, the correct person uh, at the company and I'm talking, I'm asking them questions more than I'm talking to them, um, asking them about, the process is asking about what is going on just genuinely calling people as soon as you answer the phone having a bit of a nice conversation and then start asking um that removes you from that uh thing of oh i don't know what i'm doing i'm not at that stage yet but 
let me jump in here, right? Because it's funny, right? I've been I've been in my role running these mock calls and work, right? So we're we're doing a, an activity with all of our reps, the the AEs and the, and the or we call them ARs and the AMs, as well as our our indirect guys, so our channel partner managers and stuff. We're running mock scenarios. We've given them like a scenario. They go and prepare. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, someone else from the business, one of our solution guys or marketing or something playing the customer. We've even had our yeah. sales director in playing the customer. It's been great. Um, and it's funny because I've done a few of them now with one team and I've got one of the directors who's observing his team. And he and I are laughing about this all the time because he's observing and he's trying to get some feedback at the end. And the thing he's always asking for is what metrics have you got out of that call? So you've asked a lot of questions. And he's saying, what metrics have you come out of that call? Do you know what I mean by that? No. <laughs> so <laughs> what I think of metrics is like how many calls I've made, how many demos I've set, how many like qualified opportunities, how many deals have been signed. Like, What do you mean by metrics out of the call? Yeah, it's a, it, it's a really good thing because it, it's funny. These are things that I wouldn't have called it this, but this is exactly what they are. And, and just going through this process the last couple of weeks, I've been... Uh, my mind's very honed in on this idea of calling the metrics from the call. So this is like, what information have you found out from the prospect, from the customer? And can you quantify the impact on that for them? So they say, you know, they always talk about finding the pain. So what's the problem with the customer's business? Well, can you quantify what that means for him in terms of lost time, in terms of money lost, uh, you know, yeah. cost of opportunity. That's what we mean by metrics because that's going to be the springboard onto the next conversation because if you not only understand the customer's problem, but you've had him or her qualify or quantify what the value dollar amount is associated with that problem, then you're in a much stronger position when you go forward then to present your solution or your, you know, uh, yeah, I guess your your answer to their problem. So, like your definition of metrics is just a, a number, something that you can quantify, rather than obviously in my head, metrics at the moment is many call, as I say, calls, demos, and that kind of thing. But um, if you think about it in the English language, metrics are just numbers at the end of the day. Yeah, so no, you're, but you're, you're right. You're, yeah. You've still got metrics, but you're looking at metrics of your sales process of what you need to be successful. This is digging into one of your metrics. So you say call, the number of calls you do is a metric, right? That's right. Yeah. You go down into one of your calls. What are the metrics from one of your calls? It's just that deeper layer down. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. That's interesting. And then like, what about the, that higher level of, so that's metrics in the call. And I'm talking about metrics of the call. Um, metrics of demo set metrics of qualified and sign like is there a so that metric of the call is one lower is there like a one higher metric that i don't know about oh yeah i mean it, it's a it's an ever there's a metric for everything right i mean that's that's why we're in business right you have to be able to, to qualify and quantify everything um that's why we're all here but before we jump into that tell i mean what what metrics do you have today has that changed from you know, you're, you're, when you were working here in Ireland in sales, 
as an yeah. SDR as well to now working where you are in Canada as an SDR. How have your metrics changed? What are you measuring? Are you measuring something different? Let's look yeah. at that and then let's go beyond into the whole so of things. Let's go calls first. So in Ireland, there's 120 calls a day or one hour, 44 minutes on the phone. Like either, it didn't have to be both. Like that's fair enough because you could be on a few longer calls. Here in Canada, it's 60 a day. Um, which is not like it was micromanaged in Ireland. It's you expected to follow it. Um, don't be too ten percent above or ten percent below if you can. Um, reason being, I'm working in one specific industry now, so do a little yeah. bit more prospect and a little bit more planning. Whereas in Ireland, I could call any business in the country and sell them HR and health and safety. Like you just had to be a business with three staff. Um, actual quotas. I was like, my quota was on deals signed. So I booked a meeting for BDM was on the field or running a, a online demo. And I didn't get any commission until a deal was actually signed and they became a client. Yeah. Um, and then I had the, it was like for, I think 11 was my quota for a month, but I never even knew my quotas until like, I was there a year and a half because all I thought about was like after 10 deals is 1% up from 11 to 15 was 1.5% from 16 above was 2% for the, all the deals. So all I thought about was like commission, like how do I hit them accelerators? Um, but yeah, I think it was 11 deals per month. And then you had to get like four cold calls a quarter to make sure you're hitting your bonus. And you got like a three grand bonus. If you got all your deals, 400 K revenue and four cold calls. So it's all about the deal getting signed. Yeah. yeah. Now in Canada, it's uh, more about the um, I'm booking in a demo, so I'm pre-qualifying it. I'm like prospecting, I'm booking it in, I'm handing it over. Um, if it's an outbound, I'm not really, uh, sometimes I'm running the disco call now, but you're not. And then that's passed over to an AE who runs that demo. So my quota is to get 16 sales accepted opportunities a month. Yeah. All that means is they're in a good place for buy-in. They're in a good place uh, for, for needs. They have what's needed to use the software. And they're like engaged. They have enough parties. They, they have the right people. Let's go. That's a sow. So I need to get 16 of them a month to hit my quota. And then that's pretty much it. There's no decelerators or anything like that. Um, so call 60 a day. Try to get to that marker. It, it, there is no quota on demos booked. It's just if you are to get to your 16, and your conversion rate is one in two, then you have to book 32. And they have a good report where you can see that. So if my conversion rate is about like 80% at the moment, I probably have to get like 22 maybe uh, booked, 23 booked uh, a month, which would be five or six a week. So I'm aiming usually for 10. I usually fall around the seven to eight mark. Um, so hitting none this week is kind of, <laughs> let's not bring that back up again, but hitting yeah. none this week is like a big difference to seven or eight. But yeah. It's a little bit different where if the deal gets signed or not, it's not, um, it doesn't make a huge difference to me. Um, but there is a revenue attachment. So ARR is calculated and I have a revenue quota that I have to hit every quarter and that's paid quarterly. And that's like 30% of my uh, commission package. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because you've gone from, being basically measured on conversion, meaning the deal being closed to being measured on qualification, which it, it sounds like you're working for a more, I don't want to say a larger company now, but probably a more, a company with a, with a more ingrained sales process and, and clear roles and responsibilities. So you've got, like you said, you as SDR, the AEs there, later on the AM comes in, each having their own set of metrics. I think that's something you'll see as you're on this journey, 
you know, if you, if people you haven't listened before, one of the big things about this podcast is mapping Luke's journey as he goes from SDR to, to AE over the next year. So as you make that transition, Luke, you're going to see those metrics will change. You know, what's important for you today will be probably not important to you at all tomorrow, or you'll be the other yeah. side of it. You'll be looking at some other SDR and the quality of the, the opportunities he's bringing you and those demos. This- this is it. This is what I was thinking about this week. It's like I'm learning all this stuff, and it's not like I'm I'm always going to need it from my own role. I'm also if I become an AE in the next six months or so, like I'm going to have to teach this stuff to somebody else. So like everything I've been learning for the first time since like I didn't know anything about the industry I'm working in when I started working here in November. Um, now it's July, right? So I've got to remember all this stuff, learn all of it, understand it. And then if I become an AE, teach it to somebody immediately and expect them to generate pipeline for me. So yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a big reason why behind um, really doubling down and getting my head wrapped around this stuff and hitting these metrics and understanding them. Um, but yeah, that, so I know what my metrics are. And I over time, I've like learned bits and pieces about like, what the result is like the fact if I book 32 demos and my conversion rate is 50%, I'm going to hit my quota. Like there's no two ways about it. There'd be a few drop out and I will 100% hit it every time. Like it's just the way that it works. Um, but with the quality of uh, demos that I'm putting in, but it's very not selfish, but I'm only looking at it from the perspective of me. Sometimes when my AA talks to me and I chat to him about what his quotas are and I'm I'm attached to him as well because we're good friends anyway. So I'm trying to get him to his quotas and I'm like getting involved after the demo yeah. set, trying to hopefully get him some good revenue in. Um, but other than that, um, the like the, as a team, what our metrics look like. And I know our manager gets a, is, has a quota for the entire team. And I know that their VP has, a, but I don't know anything about it. So from your side of things, like what, like how does my quota or my metrics if I was working in your organization, how does that correlate to what you have to do or what people at your level have to do? Well, <laughs> that's funny because my 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 metrics lead into your metrics, really, because what in what I do in that sales enablement space, my metrics are around how many learning sessions are you joining, how engaged are you as a seller, you know. Are you getting access to the right sales material? Um, do you have the right skills being able to sell? You know, I can't pick up the phone for you and call your customers. All I can do is get you ready to go and perform. You know, I'm kind of like a masseuse or a strength and conditioning coach in the background or like uh. a performance coach. And my metrics are around, am I making you faster, stronger, you know, as you go forward. You know, that's where my metrics are. My metrics even come before your metrics. And mm. at the end of the day, when deals get closed, I'm so far removed. I'm two or three levels removed from that. So no, nobody could ever say that, you know, I'm driving revenue, even though no one can say I'm directly driving revenue in that respect, you know, yeah. even though there is a correlation. Um you know, and, that, and that, that's why when recessions come, they, they fire us and they fire marketing, right? <laughs> um, but the thing is, oh. the, the, key, the key thing is, right, the metrics as they go forward then, so you're saying, like, you know, what? I'm, I'm a leading indicator into you and your leading indicators are into the AE, the next guy. 
you know, the quality of demos you have directly impact him and what he's targeted against because he's targeted against close one business, right? Yeah. His job is to convert those deals into or convert those opportunities into into close one deals and get them implemented. And then the next guy, your AM, his job is to grow that customer, cross sell other things, and make sure they renew, right? Yeah, man, that's like the that wasn't explained to me in Ireland when I worked. It was just like so peppered on us that we had to hit our 120 dollars a day. You had to hit your demo. Why are you like too short? Like all of that, that, that like the hard stick, uh, the hard stick, but the the like hard pressure on a sales organization has to be like on its way out. Um, I read an article yesterday on Steve Jobs. And how a lot of like software and tech companies thought that because of the way that he managed a great mind and everything, but because of the way he managed his staff, a lot of people thought, oh, that's the way we, we have to be hard on our staff. We have to like drive performance, and that's the only way to perform. Uh, and it was Gary V, kind of Gary Vandersnicker, whatever you call him. It was him that was chatting about it actually on a clip. <laughs> Vinderchuk, yeah. It's him that's chatting about it. It's like a lot of people and organizations think that that's the way it should have been. But he's like obviously building an empire with like kindness and treating his staff well and driving performance and driving and that's how i feel now i feel like i'm being like driven to perform because like if you're my manager and you've like or you're my you're in revenue enablement and you provided me with all these resources and you've like come up with a training program bronze silver uh gold and platinum and you're like providing me with all these extra trainings and i can do them in my own time if i want and i have a manager that's really invested in my success i have like people in the company that really do care about what i do and what i do for the company I can't see a way that I don't put myself into it. And I don't really, really feel like a gut-wrenching feeling when I'm not hitting quotas for me and for them. Um, so the metric, the the way the metrics are explained, like you just did there now, um, allows me to unpack, well, yeah, I can hit, I'm hitting my own numbers, but if I don't hit my number, that affects Patty, that affects the senior organization. And that's, I have a big investment in like the, growth of my company and also the growth of myself and the growth of my manager and the growth of everyone else. So it's, but I think uh, you're probably an anomaly among salespeople, Luke. We said this before. There's many, there's many salespeople, I'm not saying all salespeople, but there's many salespeople who won't think like that. They'll think, okay, I'm A to B. Here's the objective I have. Here's how I put money in my pocket. This is what I've got to do. And there's a lot of sellers out there who look at it as a, as an individual sport, let's say, as opposed to a team sport. Um, but the way you're thinking is absolutely correct. I mean, the best salespeople I know understand their impact on the business. So, for example, we talked a little bit about your impact on Patty, your AE, who's been, you know, coaching, representing and supporting you getting, you know, on your journey. Um, and you, you know, you understand that connection between the stuff you do and how that helps him hit your target. And obviously your mates are more invested, but let's kind of, we zoom it all the way out, look at the organization and you, you're saying, okay, you want to, you're invested in growing that business. You're invested in becoming an AE and probably beyond, right? Become up and maybe a strategic salesperson later on working, you know, enterprise and large, large, large deals, right? So it's almost like, for you to, to invest in that company, you have to understand, well, how does that company keep growing? How does that company keep doing what it does? Uh, mm. And it's got it, its metrics, you know? I mean, for that company to keep doing what it's doing, it needs to 
is to keep growing its revenue. It keeps uh, how do you grow revenue? You're you're getting more sales in, right? So it's not just you performs, everyone performs. That's why you've ahead of sales with a bigger target than any of you guys. He's driving his team, but he just doesn't just doesn't have a sales target. He's got a, a revenue target as well, because sales coming in is one thing, but revenue on the other end is the other side of it, right? Because that's what the shareholders care about. That's how the business grows. That's how you get more investment, release from the board to grow, hire more salespeople, or invest in new products and all that kind of stuff, right? One quick, what what's the difference between a sales target and a revenue target? They're two different things, right? They're two different metrics. Revenue is or sales is orders coming in, you know. Yeah. So if you sign you and I sign a contract, that's great. That's only a promise of money, right? That's all yeah. the contract is. Um, because you're you're gonna charge annually or monthly for that. So you're paid once off or maybe you know over months, but the revenue is actually money in the bank, right? Okay. Okay, so that's, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the big yeah. difference, right? And, and the quicker you get revenue, the better, right? So, I mean, all sales, really, all sales leaders are hoping to get as much revenue front loaded the year because it helps ease off the, the pressure as you go forward, even though they get adjusted during the year anyway. Yeah, bang on. Um, yeah, so ARR, like, yeah, that's revenue of like money actually, no, sorry, revenue is actually money being paid into the bank and then sale is like end of the month, deal is signed. There's no actual money for that yet. So yeah, yeah, we've had our think, sales. Think of it like this: your no ACV, your ACV is your annual contract value. You sign a two-year deal. That's like ARR divided by two or multiplied by two, right? Yeah, but you might not get that money immediately. No, well, it's an annual figure, so you're probably charging upfront for year one, and then charging again for year two. And then, mm. if you're a clever software company, you're probably building in you know, growth within your contract. So allowing that customer to get more licenses or more access to your product uh, and just charging them additional as they go. And what's your, I know we're talking about me and you right now, um, but you've had interaction with a hell of a lot more salespeople than I have. And you've had conversations and coaching or whatever. You've had different conversations with different people in different organizations. What's the overall relationship between like sales reps and metrics that you find because i think they drive me to perform i think they drive me to be accountable and hit these numbers for a reason just of like doing my job but what's the what's the feedback or what's the general consensus on metrics similar to mine that you have experienced Positive and negative. So there's usually a positive association with lagging indicators or lagging metrics. These are the ones, the outputs of your sales process. So signed contracts and to a certain extent, pipeline. Pipeline is more of a leading indicator, but really close business and outputs. Uh, so, you know, deals closed and contract signed. They're lagging indicators that you can't control them. Deals get closed, right? You can influence that uh, through what's called leading indicators. So this is what you were talking about before in terms of the number of calls made, the number of opportunities created, the number of demos booked, uh, you know, how those opportunities move through your sales process or your sales cycle. They're leading indicators. And this is where the negativity typically comes in because salespeople, by and large, have a 
nah, that, that's not fair. That's not fair. I think there's a there's a cohort of salespeople who negatively look at the measurement of these types of metrics as micromanagement. So they'll say, why am I being asked to hit 20 calls if I can send, you know, 50 emails? You know, I mean, what does that matter? Uh, or, you know, actually, it doesn't, why do I have to put so much stuff in the CRM system? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah I, get all that. This, I get that. This kind of stuff, because like you're pushing me on this because that's micromanagement. Um, and I, I think, to be honest, a lot of a lot of the blame here goes on, you know, you know, sales strategy, you know, sales leadership, even people in my profession in, in, in enablement for not really trying to fully explain why it is we're asking for what we're asking for in terms of those metrics, you know? Yeah. And what's yeah. the reasons why is like so important. So it's more important than the, 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 the metric, the number, like what's the reason why is like, as soon as that's understood, I think it's a trust relationship too. If I trust you and what, what you've have experienced and said, and I'm trusting right now the tips and tricks that you're giving me, like if I don't trust you, if I don't trust your advice and I don't trust uh, the experiences you've had and I don't trust where you're coming from and your education, like I'm not going to follow any of it. But I trust you. I trust the experience you've had. I trust the companies you work for and I trust the role you're in right now. So whenever you're talking, you're giving me these insights and tips I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. Felix's opinion is a massively trusted advisor, and I, I really understand like that. If I follow some of this stuff, I'm going to go forward and perform better. Um, I think there is from like Ireland where I work, sixty percent of the workforce. I don't know, that's a lie. Eighty percent of the workforce like hated <laughs> all the metrics. We were micromanaged, but I was like, right, well, I kind of understand like what the result is because I make have to make 120 dollars I'd, I'd be like short in my day I'd be like 4 30 and i'd make like 15 calls in the last like f- half an hour 40 minutes and them calls were always really successful i always booked a great demo i always like book, got that last meeting in i taught me the value of calling later in the day so there's you got to see the positive side of some of this stuff and if you have to do it you have to do it you know what i mean what's the but point take back to what you said a minute ago at the start where you're saying you know you need to book X amount of demos because you book high quality demos and they'll convert, right? So that most sales leadership have the same mentality. They know that we win, let's say one in four deals, right? So I know my conversion rate is 25%. So therefore I know that if I've got four times my target in pipeline, in sales funnel, then I'll be able to, then we'll hit the target, right? It's very simple. But then what happens is that's what sales know they need or sales leadership knows they need. And they have to filter that down to you guys. So they can't tell you to go and get a load of pipeline. Well, they can, and they do. They say you need X amount of pipeline or X amount of demos because X amount of demos turn into X amount of pipeline. But they have to ask you, okay, do this many calls because they at a certain level know that the more calls you make, the more conversations you have, the more good conversations you have, the more opportunities you find. And that's where the metrics measurement comes in. But that communication of why that needs to happen is maybe not, it's maybe not enforced in the right way. It's usually yeah. like, have you done your 20 calls? Yes, no. Why haven't you done your 20 calls? And they're going to beat you up over this, right? That's typically the conversation yeah. instead of saying, well, look, my boss is really successful. 
if I do these kind of things. And I want you, my rep, Luke, to be successful as well. Um, and I know you'll be successful if you do these things. Yeah, and, you know, my job here, for me, success is when the whole team hits their target. Right? Because remember, you guys are at the bottom. So if you hit your target, it's contributing towards your manager hitting his target. If you understand that actually everything your manager says to you is about helping you hit your target because it helps him hit his target. If we think very selfishly about it, we just think about the money, right? And this is not about uh, thinking about your mates or whatever, or that he's invested in your development. Just think purely on the financial side. He hears, he hits his target when you hit your target. So he's going to ask you to do the things that are going to help you hit your target because it's going to help put money in his pocket too. Like if we, if we take that mentality, just purely financial gain, then you can trust the guy, right? Then you can say, yeah. okay, this guy's not trying to beat me up over making five calls, 10 calls, whatever it is. He's actually trying to help me get enough pipeline to be successful so that he can be successful. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's mentality. why yeah, the team needs to drive up together. That's good. Um, I don't think I'll ever stop like inquiring or wondering about different metrics and the reasons why or what, because it does, um, it, it does really help. Well, me personally unpack it in my head, uh, of like, yeah, I'm very driven and yeah, I can like, I'm focused and, yeah, if I know I have a quota to hit, I'll hit it for the reasons it is my quota. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, longevity in sales, I think, making sure you don't burn out, making sure you don't have them I quit moments is just understanding the bigger picture sometimes. Um, especially I want to make a career out of this. Like I'm 29, probably work till like I'm what, 60-ish. So it's 30, 30 odd years more of learning the sales org, like I'm going to probably end up in some position if I continue in this way um, in, in that senior level, maybe 10, 15, 20 years where these things will be important to me. And that's the vision I have. Um, I'm not going to be an AE when I'm 60, but I probably will be sitting in an office thinking about these strategies and ideas. Um, and there's no point in like not inquiring or not finding out right now. Um, but yeah, that's it's good to have that um, insight from, from your side of the table and from mine, I think. Uh, always very curious. Always. And it, I mean, doesn't. I, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story about a manager I had. So I had a really good manager once who maybe wasn't like a rock star salesperson himself, but he was a rock star people person. He knew how to get everybody to tick. You know, he knew how to get everybody to home. And he created like a super team. Everybody's strong at different things. But the way in which he did it was he worked really hard in understanding what were our personal motivations, you know, because there was a thing called intrinsic and extrinsic uh, motivations. So the, the extrinsic motivations are like the external things, right? So, you know, you do something and they're quite negatively. You do something because someone told you to do it or you're doing something because you feel you have to do it. And then you come all the way down to intrinsic motivation. You do something because you really want and you love doing it. And, and if you can get to that point of understanding how, why, how do you make people fall in love with the process and do what they, they re, do something because they want to do it. 
And so he he worked really hard with each of us. We all had sales targets. And we, at the start of the year, he sat us down in our one-to-ones and he asked us, you know, why are you here? Well, I want to make some money. I need a job, you know, whatever. The usual stories. And like, no, no, no. But like, what what are you going to do with that money? You know, are you going to go out in the beer and piss it all away? Or are you going on a holiday? What's your plan for it? Uh, at the time, I was uh, I was dating my now wife, Andrea, who you know. Um, I was like, well, I, I want to get engaged. Uh, he's like, all right, very good. That sounds expensive. <laughs> You're going to buy a ring. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. He was like, have you thought about that? He's like, go away and look at the price of engagement rings and come back to me. So next week, he came back and was like, I'm like, yeah, they're expensive. And he's like, well, you're going to have to do a target, aren't you? I was like, I guess so. And he says, all right, well, look, let's sit down here. Let's put a let's put in place a plan. Uh, not for your target, but let's put in place a plan for getting your ring. And we li- we literally called it, you know, the how to get the ring. You know, we, that's what we called it. Mm-hmm. And we put in place this plan to understand, okay, how much was the ring? How much... Uh, how much commission after tax would I need to earn to be able to afford that ring? Okay, great. And he said, okay, when do you want to, when do you want to propose? You want to do it this time? Okay, great. So that means you need to hit your target by this date. And we started doing this reverse plan, working back from the date in which I want to propose to when I could get that commission, how much commission. And we started building up the plan. Okay, now let's look at your pipeline. Which of these deals are in a position that you can close them to commit to this part to get the uh, to get the commission? And we worked all the way back, um, and we we figured it all out. We realized that look, the pipeline I had today wasn't going to be sufficient. You know, we figured out that on average I had a pretty good conversion rate, but I wasn't. I didn't have a lot of opportunities, so I was relying on closing probably one in three deals. Um, yeah. And that was hard, uh, but I didn't even have three deals for all the time. You know what I mean? So I was, I was trying to focus on trying to build more pipeline. That was what we figured out. Needed to build more pipeline uh, because I couldn't be depending on the few big ones that I was depending on to hit my target all the time. So we worked it all out. And then once we figured it out, every time we met or even just walking around the office, like because this is pre-COVID, he'd point to his finger like this, like pointing uh-huh. out his ring finger, or he'd ask me, uh, how are you getting on for the ring? And literally, he was driving home that message of what I wanted to achieve. And that spurred me on, because every time he'd say it, I could not but think about what I wanted to do, which was to go and buy the engagement ring. That's good. I like it. I like that imagery. And I like the story as well, because that's something that's very important to me right now is how to tell a story and storytelling. We'll go over that in another episode, maybe. but. Um, like having that imagery in Ireland, the company I worked for was like, "Oh, what are you doing this for? What are you driving towards?" And like, put up a, "All right, what do you want?" I was like, "No, I only want to perform. That's all I want." Like at that stage, I was learning to say, "All I want to do is perform. I want to overexceed. All I want to do is just keep, keep, keep competition, keep winning, keep winning, keep winning." And that's what drove me. And she's like, "No, no, no, you need something else, right? I want to go on holidays." It's like printed off a picture of. Uh, of just a, just a vacation somewhere, but none of no story. You know what I mean? It's like when you're pitching to somebody and you tell them what you can do, but you don't tell them the story behind. Whereas you've just told me a story of like where you wanted to go, tailing it back, what you needed to do, 
going, he's like influencing you the whole way through. He's like meeting you in the hallway, pointing at the ring, having your one-on-ones and like have that North Star, which we mentioned, and that was our USB but in one of the previous episodes. Having a North Star is like so important. And I'm, I maybe need to figure out what I'm driving towards. I don't know at the moment. I'm like not aiming for, I'm aiming for AE. That's a position. But a rev, like I'm not aiming to make money for any specific thing, and I'm I never buy anything anyway. So I need to find something <laughs> that I uh, I kind of want. But mate, that that if that gave you so much clarity and so much um, drive to improve your pipeline and to perform, I'm guessing you must have got the ring because you are happily married now uh, for the last few years. Um, like maybe I need like this week. Maybe I do this week. I go away and I come back and I tell you what what my uh, what my north star is what I want to what I want to be able to purchase and maybe I'll just come up with a large purchase maybe for the first time in my life I'll come up with something material that I want um, that's yeah, a little bit more I mean, expensive. Don't, don't I, what I would say is like like you can like I always I always say you can make more time you can't make more money right so don't worry too much on the financial aspect of it I mean set yourself a goal maybe you want to hit. X amount of Canadian dollar reviews made. 125% is what I want to do. Yeah. I know well, it just, very clearly this quarter, 125%. But, but but then maybe that's it. Maybe that's your goal. And, and maybe you don't have to have a reason for spending it, but maybe that's just the, the ambition you've set yourself. And maybe it's because no other rep has hit that much that quarter or that year or whatever the, the reason is for driving, find that purpose and just go after it. I mean, it doesn't need to be, for me, I had a financial target because I was trying to do something personally important to me. But uh, maybe you don't have a financial target. I mean, you've got a very worthwhile learning target in terms of growing your sales experience to get to that next position. And like we said, you're, you're training now so that when you go into that next position, you're not going into that next position and starting at zero, you're going to that next position yeah. and being ready to perform. So, I mean, for you, your purpose seems quite clear in terms of I want to be an A um, because that's that next step for you. And it's going to grow you as a sales professional. It's going to, you know, develop you and you're going to have the opportunity then to go from booking demos to actually delivering demos and closing deals. It's yeah. the next level of experience. Fair. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, like, I forgot about my, uh, I forgot about what my goals are. <laughs> nah, but sick. I mean, we've been chatting a bit. I mean, like I remember for me, Yes, I had this, you know, financial goal and thing I wanted to do personally, but I was also invested in my customers. And I was very clear that, yes, I wanted to sell. Of course, I wanted to sell, but I, I, I couldn't sell something I didn't believe in. I truly believed what we were selling then, those solutions we were selling could impact that customer positively, could allow them to do something in a better, quicker, faster, more cost-effective way. Uh, and I was very keen on that. So when I spoke with my customers, I, I, I believe anyway, a lot of the reason that what made me successful is they, they bought into my passion for wanting to help them or wanting to support their business. Uh, and I think that's a mm. worthwhile thing in having as well, right? Yes, yes. Hey, I think we've covered the top, the bottom, the middle, and the end of uh, this metrics episode and even ended it with a really nice story. Um, which is kind of ties into our previous episodes on growth and what you actually want to achieve. And yeah, it's, it's been interesting um, and really good. Now, 
You want to like tie into our favorite topic every week? Oh yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about what Luke hates. <laughs> what Luke hates. So like tie it tossing up a few different things that I've like been pondering with this week. And I could have gone what I hate is being sick easily enough. Um, I could have been what I hate is um, uh, different than working from home or things you can't control a hundred percent. But all of these things are in my mind excuses. And what I hate is whenever you haven't performed, whenever you haven't achieved something, and whenever you haven't like put yourself in 100%. I had 11 working days this month, right? I 100% could have achieved my quota. I could have over-exceeded it. And I hate it when you have maybe had a little bit of a rougher week or month or something, and people internally in your company, people externally in your company, they're making excuses for you. So like, oh, shorter month, oh, summer month. Oh, we had a short, we had the first week off this month. Oh, you were sick for a little bit. And I, I just, if I'm going to take ownership for my performance not being up to speed, I hate other people giving excuses on my behalf and. That's maybe that's just me. That's just the way that I am. And I don't like excuses creeping in. It's just because I know that I left some stuff on the pitch this month. Even though it was a very short month, I had a real opportunity to achieve and overachieve. Uh, even though I was sick, even everything else put, uh, added into it. And I know you're going to say, <laughs> don't go hard on yourself. This is something that I was going to say, stop making excuses. <laughs> this is something like uncontrollable, right? Like, I can't control what other people do. I can't control that other people are going to go, ah, sure, it's summer. Ah, sure, next month we'll make up for it. Or, ah, as long as you've hit your 15 this month, hit 17 next month, it wasn't that big a deal, it'll be okay. I don't, like, get bogged down by it. I don't, like, spend days reflecting on a poor performance. But I spend, like, a good couple of hours or half a day, like, really doing a stock take of what went wrong, what I could have done better, where I left it. And I know exactly where I left it. Um, and it was moment, a few moments of lack of focus and taking it easy or not like not pushing and pushing and pushing on them days I was in. And yeah, um, just like I don't, I, I hate excuses and I don't like them being made for me or by me. So yeah. And then <laughs> listen to next episode for Luke to be giving loads of excuses on why he hasn't hit his quotas. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think this might be a good. Um, time to lead into our next episode is going to be a little bit different do you want to like explain what next week's going to be like yeah let's let's talk about next week i mean before we do let's just say look if you guys have a topic you want to talk about or you want luke and i to have a quick chat about do get in touch um the email address luke is two guys one usp at gmail.com the number two the number one good stuff yeah so get us on there uh send us your comments and um, send us a quick email we'll have a quick chat about whatever it is or even have ask questions you know if you've got a question something you're you're doing really well you want to share some some knowledge with us please do we're uh we're always learning here on the pod and uh, if you've got a challenge equally do share that with us and just to clarify, we haven't released this podcast yet until the end of next episode. So that's why you maybe haven't heard any questions or queries. But if you don't hear any after episode eight, maybe we have no listeners. So yeah, <laughs> <Send them on. laughs> 
No, that's a good point. Yeah, we're, we're recording a few in advance to get ahead of ourselves. You know, we're planning, we're building that funnel um, before we put before we go out and close some deals. So um, yeah, like I said, send in those, send in those questions to guys, one USB at gmail.com. Okay, next week, we're finally going to do it, Luke. We're going to sit down and have our book club. We're going to finally oh, talk about finally talk about our friend Chris Voss and his book Never Split the Difference 100% and it's going to be great it's going to be balanced we're not going to be saying he's it's the best theory ever we're not going to say it's the worst it's going to be a very balanced conversation on our own opinions we both read the book we both like put some of the stuff into practice personal professional life what results we've had, what experience we've had, what comments we've had from people that we know in sales, outside of sales. But it's a great resource and uh, it's a very interesting read. So, um, yeah, if you want to like take, take a pause for a couple of weeks and read the book before you listen to next week, that would also be fair. Um, or if you just want to listen to the podcast and get a bit of an idea on why, maybe it would be a good idea to have a read and um, what, what things we're thinking about. But interesting. We may do this. Um, every like eighth episode possibly we've thought about the idea of reading a bit of a book that sales people use or, or have leaned on and doing a bit of a review on it so if you have an idea on a book that you think we should both read we have a couple uh upcoming but if you have an idea on a book that we should both read and ideals that you have worked for you 100 again two guys one usp at gmail.com just send in any of your comments Definitely. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll review the book club and see, see where we get to. But look, super excited for next week. Uh, finally get a chance to chat about Chris Voss. I'll have to uh, dig up my notes there somewhere, but uh, it'll be a good one. We'll have a good chat about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your, uh, do you have a USP for today? Ah, good man, good man. Um, my USP for today would be know your metrics and know what they're leading into so you'll know yourself what you're being asked to measure or what you're being measured by but try and really understand you know why are people asking you for that and try to try to kind of sense check it does that make sense for you can you get behind that um and yeah just work on your metrics lads 100 percent. i'm going to second that bit of clarity around the reasons why and what and how and when and who's involved and all that stuff so yeah they're there for a reason that's it what gets measured gets managed right lovely what gets measured gets managed (laughs) what a soundbite that's it we're out peace out until next week remember don't make excuses no excuses baby (laughs) 